0: All right. Welcome to the Teaching a Rockstar podcast, and on today's episode, we have Taylor Armstrong. Now, you know, I always do a quick uh, uh, intro to these things, but I'm not doing one today because here's all you need to know is um, about a couple of months ago, uh, my pal Vernon Wright said, you got to get this guy on your show. And then somebody – I don't even know the next two people both messaged me on Twitter saying, you got to get this guy on your show. So so apparently, there's, there's a request. And here, here's what I know, man. He's all about leadership. He's got a passion for making a difference in the lives of people, especially kids, and uh, and he's got a wicked beard. So here we go. Let's get into this thing, Teaching a Rockstar Podcast with Taylor Armstrong. Let's do this. This is the Teach Like a Rockstar Podcast with Hal Bowman. All right, because we have such a manly show today, shout out to our sponsor, the Boston Scally Company. I have found the absolute best caps on the internet at bostonscally.com. The Boston Scally Company is the online purveyor of caps with the most attitude. Some people refer to them as a flat cap or a Gatsby or an Ivy cap, but the cap everyone is really looking for is the traditional Boston Scally cap. Founded by the son of a lifelong educator, the Boston Scally Company designs and sells caps that capture the unique culture of the Boston people with an authentic style that is filled with blue-collar sarcasm, rugged integrity, and a truckload of attitude. Pick up the authentic Boston Scally cap at bostonscally.com.
1: The Teach Like a Rockstar podcast with Hal Bowman.
0: All right, brother, you are in Alabama. Now, I've got a quick little Alabama story, and then um, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question at the end of it. All right, here's the deal. So my mother-in-law, she's from Alabama. And uh, every year at Thanksgiving, I, to, I might have seen this at a couple of Christmas dinners as well. At Thanksgiving, we have a dish that is prepared. Most of the time she prepares it. Sometimes my wife has to prepare it in her honor because you have to have it at Thanksgiving dinner. And, um, here's what it is. I'm not, um, by the way, I'm not lying about this. So it's orange jello mixed with shredded cheddar cheese with little little marshmallows on top. Oh, now, have you ever heard of this thing in Alabama? Unfortunately, yes. And every, <laughs> every time I've
1: looked at it, I've been like, is this, I mean, are we in a old person's home? Are we trying to keep them alive? Cause this seems like the worst thing you could ever feed somebody. Hey,
0: all right, man, I was in Alabama speaking and, um, I, I asked the crowd that I said, um, um, there's this lady, I, I explained what it was. I said, is that really an Alabama thing? And she stands up and she says, no, that just meant your mother in law was poor when she was growing up is all that. <laughs>
1: Which means it's an Alabama thing.
0: There you go. That's what the, that's what everybody else said. That's what we're saying. Yes, it's an Alabama thing. If, if you're from Alabama
1: or Mississippi, you were probably poor growing up, so right. it was a
0: thing. Yeah. Hey man, so so get this. So, um, you know, uh, brother Vernon, right? And um, he started this whole thing, and then he mentioned that he was on the podcast, and a couple of his homies started messaging me. Hey man, do you know Taylor Armstrong? You got you got to get him next. And um, so you're so man, you're deep, man. You're like deep into this whole leadership thing, making a difference in the lives of people. How'd that get started?
1: Well, for me, uh, it started probably around middle school because in middle school, like I was like. You can't tell now because of my awesome beard, right? But in middle school, I was like the latest bloomer possible, right? So I'm like five foot nothing, you know, just like this kid who wants to play sports but can't because I, you know, the only hairs I have are on top of my head, right? Nothing on my chest. I'm just, just nothing. I didn't grow until ninth grade, and so I was like the biggest outcast. Plus, uh, we moved all the time when I was a kid. Like every three years, we lived in a new city. So no, it doesn't help. So for me, like I moved there with two months left in fifth grade. And then we moved from there with two months left in eighth grade. Right. So I was just an outcast the whole time. And then when I get to high school, all of a sudden I grow a foot, I gain 50 pounds of muscle. And all of a sudden I can play, you know, linebacker and I can do all these things And people like, Oh, I want to talk to you now. So, you know, at that point, like, I would still hang out with a lot of the same people because I liked a lot of different things. And people would question me and say, well, you know, why do you hang out with this person? Why do you hang out with that person? I'm like, cause I enjoy that. Do you have a problem with it? And, uh, when you're talking to somebody who's six foot two hundred and forty, uh, can run a four something 40. They're probably not going to mess with you. So, uh, that's where it started. And then after that, I joined the military, uh, (laughs) did nine years in the army. And, uh, that just kind of ingrained it even more that, you know, you stand up for what's right and you stand up for people and, you know it doesn't it it doesn't matter what comes into play if it's right it's right and so for me it's all about and my big thing is to be the compass it's to direct people to lead them and to point them in the right direction no matter what's pulling them off course right so that's kind of where it started middle school for me and then it just grew as i grew up
0: man you and i had a very different middle school experience i um I too was five foot nothing, but the difference is I was the early bloomer. I had hair everywhere and five foot nothing. <laughs> And then I never did get the growth spurt. So to this day, you know that whole tall, dark, and handsome thing that you hear women talk about? No, man, that's not the program we're working, <laughs> working over here. Short, pale, and hairy. That's. <laughs> well,
1: you know, I got most of that now. I'm two-thirds of the way there
0: for that one. There, yeah, there you go. Hey, when, when you were moving around, what was the story there? Was it uh, was it, uh, uh, your, your parents were switching jobs or what, or what was happening? Well, it's funny, uh,
1: my dad never went to college. You know, he, uh, him and my mom both had high school degrees and they just kind of made the best they have or what they had. My dad started out as a, uh, stock associate at a little company called McRae's. Okay. Which is now Belk and Belk is pretty well known. And so he worked, started from a stock associate and now, uh, he went all the way up to a regional manager where he was over a couple of states. So every couple of years he'd get a new store or he'd get a new division or something like that. And so we'd move. And do the next thing for his promotion, and it's kind of like being in the military family, but except it's a retail family. Same same instance, you know, you're just doing retail. So you know, he uh, he he'd bring me to work with him until I was smart enough to know that he was just making me work. I'd be like, yeah, I'll do full time, I'll do that stuff. That's awesome, you know. And then finally, I was like, hey, you need to pay me for this stuff. Yeah. So that's why we moved all the time because of that. I think I lived in probably 10,
0: 10 cities by the time I was eighteen whole bunch of different schools mm-hmm. and then men in those schools what when when you think back do any teachers stand out um that you felt were more welcoming than others or some had a real handle on how to bring a new member into the family in the classroom
1: yeah so uh there's a couple of places um here i actually lived here in alabama during middle school uh i went to hoover uh, it was Simmons Middle School, and they, I had an awesome choir teacher who took time for me because I, I love choir, I love Broadway, I love all that stuff. Like, I love every kind of music, uh, and that's just always kind of been a passion of mine because my dad, when he was a buyer, he would go to New York and go to plays, and so that was something I knew growing up. Yeah. Um, so I love that, and so he, he kind of took me under his wing and knew I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, and then I had another teacher... Uh, and I've I've even talked to him. It's so funny, I ran into him in the military. Um, he was in the National Guard and I was deployed overseas and he was deployed and I ran into him on a base, uh, coach Coach Moreno. Yeah. And uh he you know, it wasn't that his you know, he was a good teacher, he was a good coach, but the best part about it was he cared about you as a person. So, you know, if you messed up, like you might have stayed class and do twenty five push ups, right? Or, you know, you'd have to come early and do something, but he made sure you did what was right. And that always stuck with me. And then my last one was Miss Stewart at my last school before I graduated. She was 11th grade. She was the hardest teacher I ever had in my life. But to this day, when I see her, she's always asking me how I am. She, she remembers my name, my wife's name, my kids names. Like she knows everything. She was one of those teachers that was hard on you because she loved you. Yeah. So, like, she is – those three have made the biggest effect on me, and they're all all three in different school systems in different cities.
0: Man, I was talking to this cat yesterday named Ryan Sheehy. He's the author of Be the One, a great book that's out. And uh, we were talking about that, how you can have such different personalities of educators – and some, like, are, are fun and, you know, charismatic, like my little, you know, program I pull off in the classroom. Or you can be, like, the, the coach style or that one is crazy demanding and high expectations. And none of it really matters because you can, you can ask whatever you want of kids just so that they know, like, they're absolutely convinced that you care about them and that they love you.
1: Yep. That's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter what style is yours as long as it's, one, true to you. And two, you make the connection with the kid because your style is going to impact that kid no matter what it is because your relationship has impacted that kid first. So when you come – and that's like my whole thing. That's why these relationships, why leading, why um, this whole be the compass thing is so important to me because when you have that connection first and when you show these students that you care about them before you care about them being a student – then them being a student becomes so much easier because they know, regardless of what it is, your best interest, you know, that you have their best interest in heart.
0: Man, isn't it true that isn't – man, it's not just true for, for teachers, but in every form of leadership, which teaching, being a you know educator in a classroom or an administrator, really every role within the school is definitely a form of leadership, but leadership anywhere, isn't it true like – I think sometimes we get caught up in, you know, we'll read a book on leadership and think, well, man, I got to be like Jack Welch. And, or we read another one and, you know, we I'd be like that guy or that lady because we saw a great TED talk. But the truth is, man, it isn't it really the, the thing that you have to be 100% authentically true to who you are? And then, like, that's let that serve as the foundation. Then upon that, you can build all the skills and strategies. That's 100% it,
1: man. I, I, I actually uh, put a tweet out today just being honest with people, like, you know, just saying, you know, I have my own struggles, you know, today I've been struggling with anxiety. You know, we all have something we deal with, but the thing is we need you, your students need you. They need the version of you that you bring. I don't need you to be me. I don't need you to be this person because we already have that. Right. And that doesn't fit your style. While they did a great job with their thing, kids are going to, kids are the best lie detectors in the world. Right the minute you try to be somebody else, they're going to go, you're full of it yeah, because they know that's not authentically you when you, it doesn't matter if you're the nerdiest of nerds or the coolest of cool. If you are authentically you kids cling to that because they desperately want to be authentically them, but they're afraid to be because of everybody around them. So you're giving them a safe space to do that because you're saying, I don't care that I'm different or I'm unique or weird or whatever. This is who I'm going to be. And that is encouragement for them
0: to be who they need to be. Man, I I love that. You know, it's almost as if we're giving them the permission and giving them the right (laughs) to be exactly who they are. That's exactly right. And that's what they look for. Yeah, man. And you're right, man. They can sniff it out. And here's what I always tell people. Man, like they don't have the experiences in life. They haven't been on the planet long enough and they don't have the vocabulary they can't spell out what's wrong with you. They don't know exact but they know there's something and it ain't you and you are I don't know what it is, but you got something going on behind the scenes and I don't trust it.
1: Yeah. I mean you we still have those people today, you meet somebody and you're like, I don't care what you say to me, you're so full of it, I don't want to hear it, you know. It's just and kids are so good at it because they have no filter. It's yeah. Just, you get what you get. And in their society everything's like put on a face for social media. Put on a face for mom and dad, do this, do that. And I was so lucky, my dad let me be the weirdest kid growing up. I'd run around the house, screaming songs, you know, doing all this crazy stuff that I would never do at school because I was so afraid to and so afraid of what people would think. My dad let me be that. And as I grew up, I started to realize, and this is so true, as you get older, you care less and less about what people think about you. Yeah, man. And, like if you don't like me, I don't care. You don't mm-hmm. have to be in
0: my life, right? Sometimes you, I prefer you not liking me, right?
1: But if you, I mean, if you want to hop on this train, we can have some fun, right? Because I, yeah. I mean, I like to have fun. So, but I'm gonna be me because yeah. if I'm not me, then all I'm doing is making myself miserable to make you happy.
0: Hey man, I um. I love this conversation, and, and I bring it up in my show, and you know and we, we talk it used to be called respect, I mean, you know that 's what it was years ago and and how disrespectful these kids are, and they don 't respect teachers anymore that whole thing and what the turning point was to me is about a decade ago, I was at a conference i wasn 't speaking I was there to see another speaker i 'm sitting in an audience, a whole bunch of teenagers, and this guy was really good, and he had some great uh, great anecdotes he's a good storyteller, and he 's talking about respect, and these kids are just so not into it and I'm thinking, i 'm thinking, wonder why. And um and so I was talking to this girl after, and I said, "Hey, that whole thing he was talking about respect, like what do you think?" She goes, "I'm not into any of that." And I said, "Well, like, don't you think?" And, then, and by the way, this is for student council presidents. Is this conference? And so they're all really good wow. kids. And she's not into it. I'm like, "Well, and I'm like well, like, well, don't you respect me?" And she goes, "Why would I? Don't know you." And I started thinking about that. Like I don't know you. And so what I realized, not in that moment, but it took about you know I'm a little slow. It took me a few months to figure this out, but. You know, I, was, I used to think that the reason kids today oftentimes are disrespectful is simply, I used to think because they didn't have parents like mine. And then I met thousands of really amazing parents with completely knucklehead kids. And then after talking to this girl, I realized that the reason many of us, maybe you included, were respectful growing up is because, like, I didn't know the truth. Like, growing up, I thought adults were awesome. Because I had no evidence otherwise. But today, this is a society. The kids are online. They're on their phones. And they see the fall from grace of the most respected people on the planet. Like, it all comes tumbling down for everybody. You know, they yeah. see, um, you know, um, in the sports world, they see, you know, what happened to Tiger Woods, and he was one of the most respected people on the planet. They saw what happened to Lance Armstrong. He was one of the most respected people on the planet. They see governors, they see congressmen, they see, you know, all these uh, um, uh, uh, social media influencer types and what they did, nonsense they pull off. And And so the thought of a kid is, you're just a person like them. There's no telling what you're capable of. And, dude, like, I think you're right. Like, it, what it comes down to is being completely authentically you in in every way, every day, you know, consistently.
1: And I think one of the things that
0: teachers do and admin
1: and everybody as such a disservice to themselves is they want to present this image that I've got yeah. it together. I know everything. I've got all this stuff. I think one of the greatest gifts we can give our students is to mess up in front of them. Yeah. To sit there and go, I don't know. Like, I've got this new Promethean board. I don't really know how to use it. Can one of y'all help me? Like, let me lean on you. I don't know everything. I did mess this up. Just be honest, because when you do that, it opens that door of, okay, I can trust this person a little because they're going to be honest with me. They're not going to put up this front. And then the more you do that, the more that door opens and the more that student's willing to walk through that door and make that relationship.
0: Man, I've seen so many examples of just that. You know, I've had a, um, there was a guy that came in as a first year teacher, and I, we spent a week together before the kids come and the whole professional development thing. This is back when I was still in the classroom. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy is such a natural. He's personable. He's super smart. He's hilarious. I'm like, dude, you're going to kill this high school thing. He was teaching English. And, you know, I saw him, you know, at the end of the first week, and he looks, I mean, he looks like a homeless guy, like he hadn't slept. I'm like, dude, what's up? He goes, it's horrible. They hate me. I'm like, there's no way. What's the problem? He I get they're out of control, and so I went. I went to his class to visit, and it was like a. He's a completely different guy in front of the kids. I'm like, dude, I would hate you too. Yeah. And so we hung out, and we went, you know, to whatever the choir practice that night, and we went, to, you know, and and went chit chatted, and um, and okay. I said, here's what you need to do, man. You got to be completely you, and like in in the first like that empty bulletin board, like put up some stuff from your life so they can get to know you and he covered his bulletin board with his own personal stuff from the house and pictures of his kids and the whole thing and like it just started being him and the whole thing turned around in a day
1: Mm -hmm. yeah they see that stuff they start asking you questions i mean kids the thing about kids is they are naturally inquisitive they want to ask questions so if you give them something to ask questions about you've already made a connection there it's just a matter of how strong you're going to make that connection
0: yeah hey man how how long have you been in the school business how long you've been working in schools man i've been uh i think i'm going on 15 years now
1: yeah and I, I started out as that dude that knew everything and and was never wrong right like i started out as that guy and uh, i quickly learned that that guy's stupid and yeah. uh, you know i just i i had to be humbled I really had to be humbled in a lot of things just in my entire life. You know, I, I was a knucklehead and just coming out, see coming out of the military, I was a E6 staff sergeant. So I already thought I was hot snot. And then, uh, you know, going into this world, I'm like, all right, I got this. This is no big deal. And I was very humbled very quickly. And, um, it took me a while to really learn who I needed to be. But once I did, like, it's open doors. I, I at my last school district, I can remember walking in schools and kids wanting to high five me instead of their principal. Right? And I worked at the board, and yep. uh, it's just that that screams a lot to me that one they want to do that for me, but what about the principal part? Like, why are they not wanting to greet the principal? You know, it's just it's a it's a two edged sword. So, yeah, I am doing something right, but what are we doing wrong? Like, there is always room for improvement, and that's the part that people lack is. The humility is the biggest part. You can't be afraid to say, I messed up. can't be afraid to say, I'm wrong. And you can't be afraid to let students leave you.
0: Yeah. Man, when, when people come out of the military, I'm always fascinated by those that can make that transition smoothly. Because I think just especially going from the military to a school setting, you know, because in the military, I think because of the – because of the foundation upon which the whole thing is built, and in the back of your mind, you know what your role really is, and what you're supporting, and all the action and the activity, and and, and the reality of what's happening, you know, in in, in our reality of the materi- of of the military world, and the that you have to put yourself in the right psychology, in the right emotional state to deal with all that, and then to come into a school setting, man, that's it's like a whole different person you have to be.
1: It is hard because military. Especially, you know, as a staff sergeant, I can go, do this. And there's not questions. It's just done. Yeah. And if somebody tells me, do this, and they outrank me, cool, got it. Roger that. And done. when you come in here, you've got to completely change everything. You've got to learn how to motivate people. You've got to learn how to uh, put your kitty gloves on. You know, you can't go, uh, like in the military, I could say, just walk up to you and be private snuffy. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Don't ever do that again. And everything's fine if I did that to a teacher, there would be a meltdown, right? Like you <laughs> just, you can't do these things. And it was hard for me to transition. And like, I, I even tried to watch my words and people would still be like, that was kind of harsh. I'm like, what did I do? I just told you you were wrong. Right. Like, I, didn't, I didn't say anything mean. I was just like, no, that's wrong. That you got to learn these things. And it's the, probably the hardest transition I've had in my life because you do this for so long. You're just used to saying, do this, do this, do this, get the job done. And now it's like, Let's have a meeting about the meeting before we have the planning for the meeting to discuss what we might possibly do. Yeah, and can we just do something, please? Right, you know exactly one eighty.
0: Man, you know, I always say that, you know, some of the most, uh, you know, effective schools. I always look at it in terms of, um, I'm trying to put it like in a technology world, maybe like launching a website. Like, listen, man, you just have to launch that thing. You can't really find out what doesn't work with it until you get the thing up and start clicking around, mm-hmm. let other people click around on it. And for schools, I, I really wish sometimes we took more of an approach that way, where, man, if we have an initiative, all right, man. Let's put some pieces in place. Let's get the fundamental things there, and let's go do that. Because you know, the more time we spend thinking about you know how this thing might may or may not work, and you know whether or not it not works in theory, I'm you know I'm not sure that anything that's ever happened, you know, in worked in theory actually worked in my classroom.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like everything I've ever done in theory, always like in the military, you know, you have best case scenario, worst case scenario, most likely right. And uh, everything I've ever done has always ended up being like worst case scenario. The theory was never even close, right? Never. You got to adjust on the fly. And, and I'm the same way. It's just, all right, let's just do it. Let's find what doesn't work and then we'll fix it along the way. But I've also learned with a lot of these places, and this this is the part that is so hard for me, is that if we do take our time and we have that buy-in, it makes those errors not as bad. And it's still hard for me because I still sometimes go, that's stupid. But, you know, I, you know, I, but you, sometimes you just have to go, OK, I'm going to hey, I'm going to sit back on this one. I'm going to do what you think's right. And we'll, we'll let it do your way and we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. And now, you know, also, I think, you know, a, You know, still, man, like I'm I'm better. I'm becoming more self-aware. But I know like, it, like here I am at 52 and I know it. I've known this for a long time. But now I'm really trying to, you know, uh, put it into practice that I've realized every great plan I come up with. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do, and here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to be the result. Well, here's what I've learned. Um, it's going to take twice as long as I thought it would, and it's going to be about half as good as I thought it would. Uh,
1: <laughs> and usually, there's going to be somebody that's supposed to help that ends up screwing it up.
0: No, they, they're not doing it. Uh, uh-uh. they're still not doing uh-huh. it. You know, because I mean, you know that's that's kind of how it works, though. Because I'm crazy passionate because it's my idea, yeah. and. And I, I think the more we get them on, and this is what I'm bad at too. On you know, from the immediate get go, get them, you know, invested in it. You know, I think sometimes we talk too often about buy in. And no, and and when we're buying something that is um, built on the presupposition that we you have to sell them if they're going to buy it, but really if they're invested in it rather than bought into it, that's a whole different world. And once we get them invested from the very beginning, then we you know they can have some ownership, and then we can see results. But I suck at that.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I mean I have a great boss who's teaching me a lot about that
0: because I do too. I just want to go.
1: This is what's best. Let's do it. Right. Here, we and, and, yeah, like, here we go, and yeah, here we go. And you know, it doesn't matter if it's the way we've done it ten years; I, I it's not working. Let's do something else. But at the same time, you know, I, I've seen this quote five million times, and it's true. Uh, when people know your why, the how is much easier. You know, so when you get buy into the why, and when you get buy into what we're doing and what it'll improve, and all this other stuff, a lot of times people want to change, but they have no clue how. And if you yeah. tell them how it would change it and why you're doing it all of a sudden they're like, all right, let's do it. You know, I've learned that. And it's been hard for me because I want to just be like, just trust me. It's better. I know what I'm talking about. That's why you hired me. But people don't want that. They want to go, no, I I want my say I want it. And, and to an extent I get that because it's like me, it would be like me going to your classroom and go, you need to do this. I don't care how you like to do it. You just need to do this. And, you'd be like, you're full of crap. I'm not doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it to that extent. We got to have that. Why? Because then that changes the dynamic of what they're doing locally, because, well, I can tell them all day long, but if I, just force them, they're going to do what they want in their classroom. They're not, going to, they're not going to do what I want
0: them to do. Never, man. You know, and, and by the way, especially if you got me, there's no way. Because, you know, when you would come in, I would say, absolutely, brother. We'd, we'd, I'd, we'd fist bump. I'd take notes. You got it. And as soon as you left the classroom, I'm thinking, I'm not doing it. The guy doesn't know anything. I'm throwing that in the mm-hmm. trash. That's a bad idea. I wanted to do in my classroom. You know, I was yep. really good at giving the perception of I'm doing it your way. Yep. You'd be convinced. Oh, man, that guy's in there killing it. He's doing it just the way I told him to. Uh uh-uh. uh I'm doing it my way, but you're gonna think I'm doing it your way.
1: Well I had a I had a great superintendent in my last school His names Terry Roller. Great guy. Really I mean he's a great leader, he's uh just super great imagination when it comes to the kids and helping them out and just doing different things. And um you know, one of the things he always told me, and we were at a very, very low income school at this point. So it was all about buy in, it was all about, you know, community and everything. And he always preached to me, we have to have buy-in, we have to do this, because when they buy in, the community's behind us, nothing can stop us. Because the community's behind us, the teachers don't have a choice, right? And so, and he would be the same way with teachers. The teacher behind us, the principals don't have a choice. So if I go in there and tell you, you're going to do that, and then what you're going to do is turn around and go, can you believe what this jerk told me to do? Like I'm not doing that. I've been teaching for this many years. He don't know nothing. I'm going to do it my way. Whereas if I just have a meeting and we talk about this and you go over your ideas, I go over mine and we come to a consensus as a group, people are more likely to do it. I mean, it's just and our students are the same way. Like we give them just like homework. We give homework all the time. What's the point? The point of homework is to get better at something, not to have stuff to do at home. Right. So if we can meet with our students and go, hey, how do you feel about homework? Do you feel like you can cover this? Do you need extra what, let's set the ground rules first and have a group discussion about it. When it actually happens, your kids are going to have to go, well, we made this decision. So this is, you know, and it makes a difference in that dynamic. It's the same thing, man. We just got to take a different approach of it's, it's we and not me. You know, we're going to make this decision and then we are going to follow this decision.
0: Man, it's so true. And you know what's exciting? And I really wish school, more schools were into this. And I, I mean, I can point to a handful of them that are experts is controlling the narrative and the story of what's going on with social media. And those schools that have a crazy strong presence on Twitter and Facebook, especially for schools, you know, a lot of moms and dads are out there on, you know, just watching what's happening on Facebook. When they can control that, you know what it really does, man? It built, you know, years ago, the only way we could build, um, perception and reputation in the community was from the inside out. And that was we had to pursue, produce great results in the school and then people would talk about it and then it spreads around the community. But today we can do it reverse and show people what's happening inside the school on social media. It gets out there in the community. Now here's the crazy part. Once it builds a reputation in the community of what's amazing things are happening in the school. Now we can build culture from the outside in because the school is going to live up to the reputation that the community created for us by what we're showing them on social media.
1: Oh yeah. hundred percent. At my uh, again, at my last school with the superintendent, we created an app for our school. Uh, we, we used Blackboard to get an app for our school as well as we did social media. We created a social media account. We gave every principal the same login. So every principal could tweet at the school level, you yep. know, just inspirational stuff. We, uh, we did that whole admin team. We did Instagram. We did all these things, Facebook. And what we would do is we'd set them up to push to each other. We put it on the website. Yeah. And we set it up to where we had a live feed on the website of uh, Twitter and Facebook. And then the website would push it to all the social media sites, too. So it would be automatic on everything. And I mean, like, and I'm telling you, people will say, well, people won't do that. They don't care. We announced that we had an app on all our social accounts. And within uh, within the first two months, uh, we had 50% of our student population downloaded that that app. I mean, like, and that's a huge deal for an app. Like, Yeah, man. You know, so it's just, and, and again, people would be like, this is low income. They're not going to do that. They don't have cell phones. Everybody's got a cell phone. I've seen homeless people with cell phones. I mean, everybody's got a cell phone. They all want to be plugged in. They all want to do something. And you've got to, what I tell people is you've got to be your own physical Rosetta stone. Okay. What that means is whoever you come to, whether it's a 10th grader or a 10 year old, you got to speak their language. And if you don't speak their language, you're just babbling in their ear and you sound like the teacher from peanuts. That's all you sound like, right? I mean, if you're not willing to speak their language and you want to do it the way you've done it for 20 years, you might as well just sit there and save your breath because you're not doing anything. So until you learn how to interpret what they're saying and give it back to them their way, you're just wasting air.
0: You know, man, there's really no question left about the power of it and, and the results. And if you look at the flip side, and you know I'm here in Texas, and I'm, I know personally I can think of three superintendents that um, have lost their jobs simply because a crazy mom gets on Facebook and starts to- and like the stuff that she's talking about never even happened, but there's this tidal wave of people getting on board, and it becomes this crazy thing, and 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 now the news there's a camera that right down the steps of the central office. Questioning superintendent, and now this dude has to defend himself against something that's never even happened, which is really hard to defend yourself against something that never even happened in the first place, you know. And so, but you know, when 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 it's when you have the app, and and when you're flood is what I always say, man, when you're flooding social media with the truth. And I'm not saying uh, give people a perception of something that's better than what it really is. I'm talking about the the magic that's really happening in classrooms every day, and you flood the community with that. There's no way you can spark you know that grass fire of rumor um, on social media. It's impossible because the, it's flooded with the truth already.
1: Yeah, I mean we live in a society where perceiving is believing, man. Whatever perceive, people perceive as the truth is the truth, and they're yeah. going to
0: fight to the end on it no matter what, whether you tell them it is or not. You know? Yeah, man, I was going to ask you, the other thing I wanted to find out is, um man, when you were talking, you know what, I loved what you were talking about. Say it again, where, like, the how doesn't matter as much so, so much when you have.
1: Yeah, if they, if, if they know your why, the how is it, going to be easy, man, because when they know the why behind something, the how comes together on its own.
0: Yeah, you know, I apply that... um in my work, when when I'm in schools, I have this thing I, t- I take around the nation called "Be the One," and it's um you know it's where I go to campuses and I work with uh, teachers and 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 student leaders during the day, and then also um, administrators and teacher leaders, and then we put everybody in, in the in the auditorium after school, teachers and kids together. And one of the things we talk about with with teachers is just that. Where I mean, I really believe. We spend so much time on how we're going to deliver the content and the strategy for stuffing knowledge into the noggin. And, man, what I've come to realize with with the vast majority of educators, that if we get crystal clear on what they really want for their kids, like ultimately, 30 years from now, when that kid is reflecting back on your class, what's the one lesson you want that kid to take away? You know, because they have access to the content, man. That kids, like you said, they got even the homeless guy's got access to your content in your classroom, it's in his pocket. But man, that single lesson you want that kid thinking about three decades from now. And then when you couple that with like why? Like why are you in there, man? Why why this job? Not only that, but why this school? Why this community? Why these kids? Why are you doing this? When you can get crystal clear and dig down deep emotionally for those two things, the what and the why, it's almost as if the how just kind of happens. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and that's the thing. Like, I can tell you how many teachers have come to me and said, "Why are we doing this? Why are we doing it? no? I don't understand why we're doing this. We had a way that worked. Why? 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 And I and it's and so I'll sit down and I'll have a thirty minute conversation with them. This is what we need to do. This is why we need to do it. And they'll go, "Okay, that makes sense." But nobody ever told us that. Yeah, you know and that's the biggest thing. Nobody ever tells them that. They just go, "Hey, we're going to do this." And then all of a sudden, they're just mad because you're taking what they know away from them, right? Yeah. And then you've just created something that could be great and turned it into a six-month battle is basically what you've done. And then some of them still aren't going to give in and do it. So, you know, starting with the why and starting with how this is going to help you and what it means to your life makes a huge difference to a teacher that already has 50 million extra jobs to do, you know? And that's just that's just being smarter than your problem, right? You got to apply the ten percent rule. You got to be ten percent smarter than your problem. So right. if you can do that, then it makes yeah. things a whole lot easier. Instead yeah. of just saying, "Well, I work at the board and I said so." And and don't get me wrong, I've had plenty of people who are just and I, I say this, but this is my word to say. I have plenty of people that are just turds. Okay, they're yeah. gonna be they're gonna be awful no matter what you do. It doesn't matter because they either wanted your position or they wanted to be lazy, or they don't want to change, or whatever. You're going to have those people. But what you've got to do, sometimes you can turn those people for you. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't, and you've got to move on without them. I'm not saying everybody's going to jump on board, but what I'm saying is if you got to get the train going, and you got to keep it going, and let everybody jump on board, and give them a reason to jump on board. And then if they still don't want to go, at some point, Everybody's going to go. Why haven't you done this? Yeah, it might it might take one year. It might take one month. It might take five years. But at some point, they're going to go. This is so much better. Why have you not started doing this?
0: You know, man, uh, man, that's such a. I love that point. Is. Uh When I'm in schools and we're talking about initiatives and what, and, and one of the things I do when I'm in schools is we sit down and we branch from ideas. And before I leave, we're coming up with something we are going to do. Like there's an initiative and we're doing this and it's going to work and we're going to buy in. And, and, and so that, that's with our leadership team. And then one of the questions they always say, well, what about, you know, what, what about Janice? Janice is never going to do this. Janice is, and, and that becomes the topic. And like, Hey, listen, I don't care about Janice. Forget Janice. I don't, I, I don't care at all. I could, I could not care less about Janice. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this right in front of the people most likely to jump on board. They're mm-hmm. going to jump on board. And just like you talked about, man, there's going to be, it's, th- that's how initiatives and that's how a shift in culture works. It be, the momentum happens from those people that are close to being like you. They're going to get excited. They're going to be on. And then what, over time, what's going to happen with Janice? She's going to feel so awkward and so uncomfortable, she's going to have to make a choice. And that choice is to jump on the train or get on the other train going the other way at some other school, which is fine. I'm good with that, too.
1: Yeah, sometimes that's best. I mean, I've been places where people have been there 20, almost 25 years, and they're like, oh, this person is great. And this person is one of the laziest people I've ever seen in my life. But because they've been there so long, people think, oh, they're great because they're a legacy. Well, they might have been 20 years ago, but they hadn't changed in 20 years and they're not doing anything we do now. So now they're holding us back is what they're doing. And yeah. people don't want to take, they don't want to change that point of view because they've had this high view of them for so long. So one of the things I'll do is if we're doing initiatives, I'll single out people that are super excited. In my, uh, in my last one, I had one, I had a teacher who just wanted to do everything. So what I would do is I would give her the newest stuff first. Okay, so she gets the newest stuff. She can play with it, and then she would do all this cool stuff, and the other teachers would be like, oh, I didn't know that I could do that. And here's the best part. Her students would get on it, and they'd be like, oh, we love this and that, and then the students would ask the next teacher, well, why don't you have one of these? We really yep. like this in Miss so-and-so's class. And then that teacher starts feeling like an outsider because they're like, I didn't want to do this, and their kids are like, well, why? We like it. And then you've already got the train moving, and everybody's asking those people why aren't you a part of this because it's obviously making an impact
0: yeah man i've i've uh, i've seen so many schools where um it's almost kind of like the new millennial you know soccer trophy syndrome where you know you get one just for showing up where i'd see it i mean people make fun of you know these general i see it in schools man i've seen i've seen you know 58 year old principles giving everybody a, a free, you know, jeans day or whatever. You, what, 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 they didn't learn it. They weren't there last night, you know, when you're... What about? And I love, I, man. It's unpopular, but I love when I show up at schools and I see that. Where you know, there's a principal calling down. She went and got um, Sonic drinks. Are big, I don't know if you guys have Sonic over there, but Sonic drinks are big here in Texas. You know, and they yeah. get the Sonic ice. And she went and got like 38 Sonic drinks. She didn't get 60. She got 38 because 38 teachers she saw helping out. And she called those 38 names. Like, I got your favorite Sonic drink down here in the office. Come pick it up. And you, the others get mad. But you know what? That's it, man. Maybe next time you show up, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's old adage,
1: you get what you pay for, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want, it's just like, there's tons of people that want to be leaders, but they don't want to be leaders. They just want a title, right? So there's a huge difference between a leader and a title. Okay. So you can be a manager and you can be a leader. Okay. So a manager tells people what to do. They leave at a certain time and then you better not bother them. A leader works until the job's done, okay? So a manager says, okay, I'm leaving, it's time to go. A leader says, job's not done, I'm still here, my people can go because I'm gonna finish it for them. That's the difference. The leader makes sure it gets done. If it's on them, that's what they do. Managers take that and reverse it and put it on other people so they can be comfortable. So we need more leaders in schools and less managers. We don't need to manage our kids, we don't need to manage our staff, we need to lead them. Because then if they see us doing it first and foremost, then they're going to be more likely to go, yeah, I'll do that. And then on top of it, when we reward them for doing that extra, the other ones might be mad about it. I might might do that next time because that seems like it's worth it. And he works his butt off. I might try to do a little extra for him.
0: So true, man. You know, I think that is, um, when, when, here's, here's, here's what's interesting. When I show up at, you know, I was talking about this thing I do when we have our, um, our leaders on campus, and I ask for every adult leader, and what I, I, I tell the principal, please don't look at job title. It doesn't matter to me if they are the English department chair at the high school. Think about who your most influential personalities are. That's who we need in this session. And I'm not sure. It's almost as if they've never taken a moment to stop and think, is this person really an influential leader on my team or have they just been here for 28 years? So they're the science chair. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I mean, think about it. Who interacts with your students the most? It's going to be your custodians and your lunch people. Yep. They see them the most. They probably know their names. They might even know their lunch number because they have seen them all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And, but and students act their normal self in front of them. So they're not going to act the same way in the class they do in the lunchroom or in the hallway or things like that. But I see this all the time. Why aren't those people leaders? They are. They talk to kids. I've seen them talk to kids. I've seen them change kids' days. I, I mean, everybody in our schools has a leadership role. Every person on our staff should be a leader. They should be a leader. Now, it doesn't mean they are, but they should be. Because at the end of the day, a lot of them get caught up in the fact that Oh, I'm a department chair or I'm an assistant principal or, you know, I work at the board of education. It doesn't matter. You know, once I got to the point where I was like, I don't care who gets the credit as long as we get it done, then my whole work experience changed for me. Because there was a time when I was like, Hey, look at me. Look what I did. I did this. I did good. Right. Look at me. And then it was just like, I'm spending more time wanting people to look at me than I am actually doing anything. What's the point in this? I'm not actually contributing anything here. And once I realized that, and it was just like, cool. If Joe Blow gets the credit, awesome. It doesn't matter. As long as we got it done for him, that's all that matters. Because at the end of the day, and this is what people miss. This is the biggest thing. People think, I'm important. I've got to have my job done. No, the most important thing we have is education. If we are not having education, that trumps anything else we got going on. So if I'm sorry if your printer doesn't work. I'm sorry if you can't get to this or go to this sports thing, sorry. If we have a classroom that can't have education, that's a showstopper. Because at the end of the day, these students are the reason we all have a job.
0: Man, people always ask me um... – you know, I mean, I don't even know how many thousands of schools I've been in, but they always ask, man, what's the biggest difference that you see between those schools that are, are struggling and those who are amazing? Or even just average, between like a good school and a, an amazing school. What's the biggest difference? And it's always been, you know, there's a, there's a lot of little things, but the biggest thing of all is on those campuses that are just tremendous. I mean, the culture, you walk in, you just, you take two steps in the building and man, you can just feel this place is amazing. And you know what it is? It's it's those places where every Every adult on campus, everyone, I'm talking every position, um, the, the, the custodian, the principal, the teacher, the, the food service workers, the nurse, the secretaries, every adult is completely convinced that they are solely individually responsible for the culture on that campus. They're They're convinced of it. Like the mm-hmm. custodian believes culture is 100% individually, only solely up to him believes it same thing with with the language arts teacher and and you know you can see them man they when, when they get out of the car and they're in the parking lot you can see like the 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 pace at which they walk starts to speed up as they get to the front door and you can kind of see their breathing is deepening and they're just getting in there like oh my they just love it there because they've all made that decision it's so so different and once a school turns the corner and that happens Oh my God. Like, it's, it's such an exciting, amazing, fun place to be every day. Dude, like, I, there's a school I saw makes this shift over the last couple of years. And just last year, um, Teacher of the Year, voted on by everybody, went to a custodian. That's awesome. Teacher of the Year, voted on by the teachers. It's crazy.
1: Hey, you don't have to be a teacher to teach somebody.
0: No, man. You know,
1: we, we learn every day. And if you're not learning, you're regressing. You know, there's there's no standstill. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. There's no stay the same. And, you know, what I love, is, and this is my thing. Like, I, well, let me rephrase. I hate it. So, especially this time of year, it makes me think about this. Countdowns. I hate countdowns. Okay? Because yeah. I feel like all we're saying is, can't wait for y'all to leave. Yep. Don't want to see you for two weeks. You know? And, it, like, I was that kid up until high school that I was like, I got nothing to do over Christmas. I'm going to sit at home by myself and my dad's going to work and my mom's going to chill out and that's it. Yep. I got, I got nowhere to be. So I'd rather be at school where somebody talked to me, you know, it's just so many kids want that. Now there's plenty of kids that want to be out for break, but when we say, Oh, think about the kids that will miss you. We say that, but is that what we mean? Right. Is that just what we're trying to say? So people will like it. Or yeah. is that what we're really trying to say? Because for me, I love my job. I absolutely love my job. I tell every people, everybody, the coolest thing about my job is every diploma we pass out, I had a part in that. Every one. Because I work at the board, so for every kid that gets a degree here, I got to be a part of that. And that's such a cool feeling for me, because that's tons of success. We have over seven thousand students. That is tons of success every year. And I can go, they went to this college, made it this and, and I got to be a part of that. And that pumps me up because how many lives are you helping succeed just by being here? And then on the other side, how many lives are we holding back because we get here on Monday morning and you can already tell you look like the Grinch because you don't want to be here and it's obvious you don't want to be here. So nobody's going to say nothing to you. And then you're, you look like an Olympic sprinter on Friday afternoon. I mean, you're just trying to get out of here, and you can't stand being here anymore. What does that tell our staff and students? What are we doing there? Like, it's all about – you say more about what you do than you ever will about what comes out of your mouth,
0: ever. Man, I've never – you know, I've never really understood it, especially from – you know, primarily from a classroom teacher standpoint, because this – I can't even imagine because it's already so hard. Even if you love it and you're in the classroom, it's already so hard, and it's already so frustrating, and it's already so exhausting and demanding and emotional, and you get disappointed in yourself. And it, oh my God, I can't imagine like that's and that those are the people that love it. I can't imagine if you hate it. Like, what are you doing? Like, you can replace this income. It ain't all that hard. You got a degree, man. Like yeah. go, go, please! And here is what, man. I, I, people hate when I say this, but it's the truth. Like it's, I can't. Sometimes I flip flop back and forth between my two favorite kind of teachers. It could be one or the other. One of them, probably, probably number one is that teacher who who loves it. They're excited. They're passionate. They can't wait for the challenge. They're in there early. They stay late. They're they're a part of the kids' lives forever. That's my number one. But you know what? My second, like almost right there is that teacher who has realized early in their career, this ain't for them. And they got out. I love yeah. that person just as much.
1: Yeah. Because all they're going to do is take away from what they're doing. If they stay in right. They're going to yeah. be that person. that hates their job. And like, I've had jobs. I hate, I've oh had jobs I don't have jobs. And I'm like, I would never, I don't care if I was homeless living on the street. I'd rather dig in a garbage can than work at that place ever again. Right. Yep. Like, I've been there. So like, The people that don't want to be here and those are the same people that are going to go, we don't get paid enough for this. There's plenty of other jobs that do that. Right. Yeah. So for those people and don't get me wrong. I'm not positive every day. I'm not, Hey, everything's great every day. I have my days where I'm like, you really just don't need to talk to me today. Like I, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be like, look, I love you and I think you're an awesome person, but I'm having a rough day. So can you just give me some, give me some space? Right. And people understand that. Right. Uh, not everybody. But some people understand that, but I mean, it's just, you're killing more by staying than you ever, than you could ever grow by anything else you could do. Like, you, you know, I, I call it weed eating, right? So the ones that don't need to be here, those are the weeds, you gotta pick them out and keep going. Let's get some grass growing in there. Cause, yeah. you know, the longer we keep them, the more weeds we're gonna get.
0: Hey man, like right now in your career and in your work in the districts and education and adults and kids and the whole thing, like what do, like what are you excited about right now? What's what's your focus and, and moving into the future? Because like you seem like one of those guys that always has something going on. And you're you're pumped about something. Like 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 what is it for you right now? Dude,
1: I I would love to create a virtual classroom, and I'm not
0: talking about like
1: 3D goggles. I'm talking about like interactive projectors. Like I I know a district here in Alabama that's done this. They have a room that it's so their projectors project on the wall. You can touch it. Each projector is independent and it'll move with what you touch. So think about doing this in a classroom, like having uh, all four of your walls become a projector and students can get up and do assignments and go around the world and do things like that just in classrooms and do things and actually have a virtual reality, right in their classroom no goggles needed you're just there doing it man yeah like, things like that are just so cool to me like you know we see these commercials like i saw one last night where, you know the one with uh people are playing games and then the guys reality you mm-hmm. uh, know and i'm like what if we did this in schools like what if this was what was school was like you know like okay we're playing a game but we're learning something or we're traveling here and we're doing something like how much would students enjoy school if this was school, right? right? Like, those are the things I think about. Those are the things I try to make possible. And it, whether it's making it on our own or uh, combine it with somebody else to do it, like, those are the things I'm passionate about because I want to be the one that not only takes school from being school to being fun, but also to be something that they want to go to because it's going to be something that's talked about if you miss out on it
0: yeah man yeah can you even imagine first of all think back now i'm I'm way older than you, man, but listen, think back when you were in um like you know sixth grade, seventh grade, like how miserable you were sitting there in oh, rows and columns, staring at the back of some kid's head in front of you, you know and now and and that was but this is a different world they're still doing that, but this is a generation a kid that can con- get on their phone and just start scrolling and it is just a release of endorphins and dopamine and all those addictive chemicals and now you want but but we're still standing one teacher in front of the class at 32 people looking at them supposed to and and i'm not saying it can't be done but i know it's really hard for a normal person to keep the attention span for 48 minutes or an hour and 12 minutes or whatever kind of modified block that they're teaching at the high school i can't even like it's so hard and, and we're asking so much of a whole different kind of animal that's sitting in the classroom
1: Man, I can't even do that. If you have no. a meeting for thirty minutes, I'm gonna need a break. Like, yep. I need something. I'm gonna step out. Like I can't listen that long. It's just not gonna happen. And so you talk about students. That's why I talk about putting them in an environment. That's what they do when they get on their gaming systems or they get on their phone. They go into their environment. So we make the classroom their environment. We bring that to them, and it would just change the world. I mean, I just you're right though. When you talk about, I remember having an overhead projector, right? And those were just the coolest tech. And we say tech because they were at the time. Yeah, man, it was. But the thing is, most teachers are still doing that with the newest tech. They're still using their Promethean board or their projector as an overhead projector. Still doing the same thing. The technology changed, but the practice didn't, so you're doing the exact same thing. If we don't change our approach and our practices, we still got the overhead projector writing and our students are copying That's all we're doing. We've got to flip it and say, what are you doing? You know, we have students that love to game. We have students that, uh, love play sports. How do we flip learning to where it's in their environment? And then you change it to where it's something they're going to do instead of something they have
0: to do. And I always think about it in terms of like, Boys, because you know, because that's what did I how I identify and whatever you're supposed to say. I don't even know. And but also because I, I own one, man, I got one, and the kids an animal, like a freaking animal. And um, and it's always, and I remember I was visiting a classroom, and um, and the and this kid is just staring off in the space, right? Totally not engaged. Teacher doesn't know it, you know. And I'm not saying she's a bad teacher, but she's just probably numb to it. This is what she deals with every day. Mm-hmm. And um, I can just tell, you know, kind of a mesomorphic kid, just physical and moving, you know, just moving around, just staring, just not has no idea what's going on in class. And so I see that same kid in the hallway and I said, hey, brother, come here. Let ask you a question. I said, when you were sitting in that class, you saw me like sitting in the corner like watching. What were you thinking about? He goes, I don't know. I said, well, think about it. Just, just take a moment and go back in time. Put yourself back in that room, in your mind, in your chair. Picture yourself. What were you thinking? He goes, oh, I know what I was thinking about. I go, what? He goes... Well you know that you goes you know the the wall, that blue wall, I was thinking to myself, if I had a hammer, how long would it take me to get through that wall to the other side to go to the other clash? And I'm like, that's a total boy thing to think, man. Like I'm gonna smash the like how long like I could probably do it. I have I've beat a center block with a hammer before. I could probably get through. And then you start going down the rabbit hole. The boy thought, I wonder how long it could take me. I wonder how big of a hole I could make if I had to. Yeah. And he has no idea. But but that's like a typical human thought for for you know a 13-year-old kid.
1: But the funny thing is my brain immediately goes to,
0: hey, we could turn
1: that into math, right? So if I apply this much force, and even science, this much force, against this much resistance how long would it take da, 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 da. I, and and then like you could actually take a daydream and make it yeah. physical and work it out like you could do these things there's nothing wrong with them you could even call them out and be like hey man what's thinking about and if he if you gave him the space to be honest he go all right let's do it yeah so, let's work it out like that would be such a cool class that would be the class i'd be like I'm gonna go sit in that class just because it's
0: awesome to sit in. Yep, I'm going to I'm going to the Home Depot, buy me a dollar ninety nine cinder block. Let's let's time us. Let's see how long it's gonna to take to smash this thing. Let's times it by the number of cinder blocks on the wall. Let's do some work, man. You know, here's man here's here's a leadership challenge. Is um, I see a lot of uh, principals asking for more interactive lessons, more engaging lessons, more exciting lessons. And as they're asking, and you're right, man, like we talked about the very beginning, a lot of people don't even know what that looks like. And as this school leader, instructional leader is standing before their teachers asking this, they're doing it just like their teachers are teaching their classroom rather than showing them what it looks like. Mm -hmm. and that is the biggest challenge and i and like no one's talking about that but i know subconsciously it's in the mind of a teacher like why you know they they don't know because they grew up and they were really successful that's why they're a teacher sitting in a class staring at some adult at the front of the room and just doing what they're told and made they made a good grade and they participated they were cheerleader on football team or whatever and they you know went to college but this is but that's not the normal kid the normal kid really does need to be engaged for this thing to work
1: and one thing i would tell Everybody. If you're if you are not in education, you're thinking about getting an education, if you think that you don't have to learn anymore, don't get an education. Yeah. Don't e- education is forever, forever, forever school because it's always changing. It's always new technology, there's always new curriculum, there's always new everything. And it usually, you know, if even testing, testing changes like every two to three years. You know, it's just it's crazy the way it changes. But The thing is, if you're not willing to grow with it, don't even get into it because it's going to end up up being worse for everyone involved and you than it ever would if you didn't. Because, I mean, it's just, it's a constant thing. And what people don't understand is that it doesn't take a toy, an iPad, a promethean board, whatever. That's just another version of pen and paper. That's all it is. The creativity is right here. It's all in the brain. The creativity to do an interactive lesson you can do I've seen somebody do STEM lessons with Cheez Its, okay? You make Cheez Its and you figure out the hypotenuse of you know of whatever, you know, you do the radius of a circle and you do all this stuff just by using Cheez Its. And I mean it's amazing. I'm like, Wow, I would have never thought of doing this. But they're doing STEM, they're doing it a fun way, and then the winner gets to eat all the all the Cheez Its, right? right? Like it's just it's one of those things kids to be like, Oh, I want those Cheez Its, right? Especially guys. Guys are like, I need a snack, right? You know, so it, it it can be done. It's a matter of it's a matter of there's always a way in education. It's a matter of are you dedicated enough to find that way or are you going to settle for what you know? And so for me, it's like every time somebody tells me we can't, I make it a personal mission to find out why we can, because there is no can't. If we have only two things I need are time and money. You give me those two, we can make anything happen. Yep. Any, I can build you a rocket ship. If you give me no money.
0: Yeah, you know I um sometimes it's, it's not um, every school, but in, you know uh, sometimes in the smaller communities I'll come up, you know, uh, with that teacher, that seasoned veteran that's been there for forty years. Well, this is why we've always done it, and right there, that right there, just like you know paralyzes me, and I can't even breathe. But the, and and it was good enough for I taught his mama, and I taught his mama's mama, and it was good enough for. And I'm thinking, you know, it it, may, it probably wasn't. You know, they learned to. Sp- despite you but you know it's this is really um that whole thing it's, they're just kids are always be no man this is a whole different kind of thing we're talking about in the classroom this is a very different world and you're right like i you know i've been out for some time and on the road but um if, if someone told me what that learning would look like today 10 years ago i would have said there's no way dude and mm-hmm. it's so dramatically different just in a decade
1: Oh, yeah, it's going to be like Minority Report in the next 10 years, man. It's just
0: going to be be
1: crazy with people predicting what we're going to learn and uh, all the analytics we have. And, and uh, you know, it's just I, I tell people this way. When they tell me I like this this way, I've always done it this way. I said, well, what kind of phone do you have? I thought I got the new iPhone 11. So why don't you have an iPhone one? They're like, well, that wouldn't work. I'm like, you're right. It wouldn't work because times have changed since then. And that was only about 10 years ago. Yeah. If you think, if you think about it, think about this. All of our students, all of our students, the iPhone came out before they ever started school. Every student, the iPhone came out in 2007. Okay. So all of them have only known technology their whole life. Okay. So if we're saying we don't need to do it that way, well, then why do you update everything else in your life, but not your practices? Yeah. Because. If you can't live without the newest gadget, but your learning is still in the 80s, then something's wrong here. So that's the way I always break it down to them like you. Okay, if that's truly how you feel, then I need to see you pull out a flip phone right now. Because if you got anything newer than that, then that's not really what you believe. That's just really what you're comfortable with.
0: True. Hey, man, with that said, man, I miss the days of the flip phone. I miss the Razor. Cause you know I'll what? I'll be honest
1: with you, man. If I, I had so much
0: to... more time in my life when I just had the flip phone get into the, you know, because you know, I can't tell you how many times I thought, oh my gosh, I just sat here for 38 minutes scrolling on this stupid thing.
1: Yes, if I didn't need it for email for school, I would have a flip phone for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't use it for anything. I'm the old dude that uses it for text messages and email. And like, I'm still the guy that, like, don't text me, call me. I'm still that guy.
0: Right. <laughs> I get mad when I see somebody's calling. What are they doing? What just text me? Why? Oh my god, he left a message. You did not leave me. I have to listen to this. Ugh. Oh, I
1: intentionally do that to my wife. She always, she's always <laughs> like, "Why did you leave me a voicemail?" You know, I'm gonna call you back. Right. I'm like, because I know you hate it.
0: Right. I do the same thing. I say, "Hey, baby, listen. I need to tell you this. Oh, this is really important. But, um, but before I tell you, here I'll, do, I'll go on and on and on, and I never say anything important, and I just hang up. But. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'm gonna do that. Do it, awesome. hey brother thank you so much for hanging out with me i'm so glad all those people you have like these these ridiculous fans across the nation across the twitterverse and uh man i really really appreciate you um hanging with me and it's been awesome and i hope we can do it again if you i mean if you're cool with that dude i'd love to man i've had a blast so uh yeah this is awesome all right man thank you so much man have a, have an amazing uh, what are we is friday man hey the trifecta yeah. friday the 13th the week before Christmas, last week before finals and all that, and then also uh, Full Moon. There you go, man. That, that means when
1: I get home, I'm going to have three kids running around like crazy. That's what it means.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, man. All right, brother, have fun. This
1: has been the Teach Like a Rockstar podcast with Hal Bowman. Subscribe, rate, and share from halbowman.com.